Will you pray with me? God, open our minds and our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read this morning and your word is proclaimed, that we may hear with joy what you have to say to us this day. Amen. Our reading this morning is one of the verses that we will be teaching to the children this week in Vacation Bible School. It's from the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as Jesus went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of God. You know, as I, I think about this passage today, I think a little bit about Jesus wandering out on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, looking out at the fishermen who are clustered together waiting to go out for their morning trip on the water. And you know how when you go by a pier or a dock that's dedicated to fishing and fishermen, commercial fishermen, always, there's, more, there's never only one fisherman. There's always multiple ones. So I picture Jesus watching the action and looking out at all the fishermen. And then suddenly he spots Simon and Andrew. And he approaches them. No one else but those two of all the fishermen. And he keeps walking along the shore, looking at all the other fishermen. And then he sees James and John and Zebedee in a boat, and he approaches them as well. How did he know those were the ones to approach? I think it's because Jesus knew what he was looking for. He knew who he was looking for. He knew that these four fishermen, out of all the others who were out that day, had the gifts needed to be his disciples, to do the work he wanted them to do. Simon and Andrew, James and John, they're four happy fishermen out doing their work, and suddenly they get a call from Jesus. And they set aside all that they were working on and they started something new. And Jesus told them, don't worry, you already have precisely the gifts needed to do what I need you to do. You are fishermen, and I'm just gonna show you a new place to fish. So zoom forward a couple of thousand of years, and picture me sitting in my office doing my work. My cell phone rings. As I look down, I notice it's the district superintendent calling me. And she says, Lisa, set aside what you're working on. The bishop and the cabinet and I have looked at all the possible pastors available in this conference. And we are convinced after much prayer 
that God is calling you to use your skills somewhere else. And she said, listen to me as I'm going to tell you about this new place where God is calling you to fish. And I get what Simon and Andrew and James and John were feeling. There is an incredible sense of excitement. There is an incredible sense of nervousness and even fear. And there is also deep grief and loss. Simon, Andrew, James, and John, I mean, in order to just drop everything they were doing, I, I really truly believe that they must have had some inkling in the back of their head that there was more in store for them than fishing on the Sea of Galilee. God must have laid some groundwork in their life that prepared them to say yes. They must have felt that stirring of their faith. They must have known there was something more. And like these four disciples, despite the crazy ball of emotions that I have inside me, I think I knew at some level that this call was going to come. The surprise for me, the thing I didn't expect, was that I would be able to look back and see all that God had done to prepare this path for me. God had laid out so much groundwork and God was not hesitant to show me that when I got nervous. I knew that this move was not coming from the DS, it was not coming from the bishop. This move is coming from God. You see, when the DS called, she reminded me of a conversation that the two of us had had long before where I was just sort of dreaming and talking, and she reminded me that this church that she was sending me to was just like the one I described that I felt called to lead. A church that had experienced some downsizing but was ready to do anything they needed to turn it around. And when she said, Lisa, God is calling you to Buda UMC, for a minute I froze. And all I could think was, Buda, Bastrop, Bernie, Burnett. Do you know how many cities around here begin with the letter B? And, and I'm panicked a little bit. And all I could think of was, which one is Buda? <laughs> and once I got my nerves and my geography settled down, that groundwork that God had laid just continued to show itself. Since returning to Austin, I have served on two Walk to Emmaus teams, both in the Buda area, not in Austin. I'm lined up to serve a third walk in that area this October. I signed up to do that long before I knew I was going to Buda. And when Jim and I drove down to meet with the SPRC in Buda, and we drove up to the church, I looked at it and I said, I've been here before. I was there for a meeting for Walk to Emmaus totally didn't recognize it before. I've discovered that one of the women on the SPRC was on one of the walks that I was leading. And I discovered that there are others from this congregation who also were on those walks. I already know people there. I know a couple of names. <laughs> then I ran into a pastor colleague of mine on one of these walks. His name is Mark Porterfield. And some of you may recognize that name because he was here 
as he went through his ordination process as the associate pastor, which we thought was a big coincidence at the time. But he went from Westlake to Buda. And he and I have been able to talk, and he shared a lot about this congregation with me and the community. He has been a huge piece of reassurance for me as I make this move. Those are some of the big signs. But then there were these little ones, too. Like I posted on Facebook that I would be making this move. And my 23-year-old son's kindergarten teacher messaged me and said, I used to run their nursery when I was a student at UT. You will love this community. Then we figured out my husband Jim has a colleague whose father was a pastor there in the 1970s. And Christina Feldot, a member here, she emailed me to say that Buda UMC was her church growing up. And she was so excited to know I would be going there. And these types of small little gifts just kept appearing over and over again. They were like these direct reassurances from God. I've already planned this. I've got this covered. Well, the latest affirmation actually happened at annual conference that Tracy was, was mentioning. The very last thing they do at annual conference is they have this little recognition for the pastors who are switching churches. And they play this music, and you're hugging everybody in your church that you're leaving, and then you're supposed to go find the church that you're going to and stand with them. And I had been looking for the Buda people under their section, their little district, and I had not been able to find them. So as I'm stumbling away, tears pouring down my face after saying goodbye to Westlake, thinking, I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> Where's Buda? Um, and a, a colleague friend of mine said, the Buda people are right there. They're waiting for you. They're looking for you. And I looked up, and they were standing in the middle. And I walked up to them. And they said, oh, you found us. We're so glad you did. We haven't been sitting with our district. We've been sitting in the back just because we like to sat, sit at the back. And I said, I found my people. You're rule breakers, and you like to sit in the back. <laughs> Since the DS called in March, I felt the fear and nerves start to overshadow me from time to time. And I've had to focus and refocus on these affirmations. I've had to remember that God's hand is in this and has been in this the whole time. And I can see how God was preparing me, preparing this new place for me. And I can see how God was preparing me for this new place. And that's helped. Knowing and seeing God's hand making the way straight. Seeing God level the mountains for my path to Buda. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you've been on I-35, it is straight between Austin and Buda. And there are no hills. So God has done a good job of that. And I want you to think about the disciples for a second. Think about Simon and Andrew and James and John. On the one hand, they left behind everything that they love, their friends, their family, everything familiar. But on the other hand, they got to go hang out with Jesus. That's pretty cool. Imagine their excitement. They're going to see new places. They're going to sleep under different roofs or maybe under the stars. 
They're going to get to try new foods, new restaurants, visit new cities, meet new people. They're going to be making new relationships. Their world was about to explode. And I can relate to all of that, especially the exploding part. But I'm convinced that God must have prepared those disciples to say yes. God prepared them for this call to go fish in a new place. I'm sure it was hard to say goodbye. That I'm really sure of, especially today. But I think they had certainty in what they were about to do and that it was from God. But there's one character who stands out a lot for me in this story today, and that's Zebedee. You don't hear a lot about him. He's the father of James and John. And the scripture says, immediately, James and John left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. They left the boat and their father. I've always felt that being left behind is harder than leaving. And I don't think this could have been easy for Zebedee to watch his sons, his partners in his business, leave. Leave everything he had taught them. And not only that, Zebedee had the hard task of going home to tell their mother. I can't imagine how that conversation went. But seriously, I've got to believe that just as I believe God prepped James and John to go with Jesus, I have to believe that God prepped Zebedee to stay. God prepped Zebedee to stay and fish in the Sea of Galilee to feed the people in Galilee who were hungry, to care for everyone there who needed his protection and his comfort and his love. Just as God called James and John to go, God called Zebedee to stay. It was God's call on Zebedee's life to stay. And if I believe all of that, and I do, I've got to believe that just as God has called me to Buda, God has called you to stay here, to feed the people in Westlake who are hungry, to care for those who need your protection and your comfort and your love. Just as God is calling me to go, God is calling all of you to stay. Now, I imagine Zebedee struggled with this at first. How, how did you replace your sons who have grown up in this business? How do you replace them? How do you replace your staff who knew the Sea of Galilee like the back of their hands, knew the best spots to fish, the roughest waters, the things your boats could get snagged on? How do you replace those who knew those boats from bow to stern? How did you replace those who knew how everything worked, but maybe more importantly, knew the things that didn't work? But I have to believe that just as God had called James and John to go and God called Zebedee to stay, that God called somebody to fill James and John's roles. 
God called someone who probably was not expecting it, who maybe thought that fishing wasn't even their gift, who thought there was no way they were up to this job. But nonetheless, God called them to fill these roles left vacant when his sons left. And I have to believe that just as God has called me to go and God has called you to stay, that God has called someone or multiple someones to fill my roles in this church. Now, clearly that person's not who we all expected. It's not a clergy person that the bishop is going to send here. But I believe God has called people to fill my roles in this church. Someone who maybe thinks they don't have the gifts for it. That there's no way they're up to the job. But God has called someone to fill these roles that are left vacant. And as I take a stroll around this room this morning, just like Jesus did along the Sea of Galilee, and I look out over all of you, I see the gifts of teaching and of prophecy and of comfort and preaching and healing. And I see people who are called to be musicians and worship design team members and VBS leaders. And I see puppet script writers and worship leaders, people who can care and feed all the people in Westlake. I'm sure there have been moments where some of you have wondered this spring how this is all going to work. And that's come from staff and lay people. But let me see that from, let me say that from where I'm standing, all I see are cups that are filled to the brim. I see people filled and heaped with gifts and blessings just waiting to be poured out on the people of Westlake. I see people with untapped, hidden gifts that you don't even know are inside you. I see people that God is preparing to say yes when they're called to step into a role here. I see potential just oozing around every corner of this church. My beloved brothers and sisters, I believe that you are not just meant to get through this year ahead to survive it. I believe you are meant to thrive in it. And I believe that God's plan for you is way bigger and way better than any plan we could ever dream on our own. Amen.